absolutely we are immersed in the Holy Spirit and so it shaped our decisions and it shaped the way we saw other people and how much we wanted to help them. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal God's love and power in the lives of His children. What God has done for our storytellers, He lives to do for you. Hey guys, welcome back. Brooke and Adam here with The Unseen Story, but you already knew that because you're the one that clicked play. So thanks for... Good point, good point. Right? Thanks for stopping in today. We are really grateful that you're here. Today we have our dear friend, Chris, sharing his story. Adam, do you want to tell a little bit about how we met Chris? Sure. Uh, If you've heard Baron's story, Baron is uh, Chris's son-in-law. They're both Aussies. All the way from Australia. And Chris started a program, I don't know how many years ago, many, a couple decades ago, I guess, uh, helping people uh, looking at 12 areas of their life and setting themselves up for the next decade. Uh, and so we got involved and have been uh, tracking with them for the last six months. Chris happened to be in town for a couple weeks and so we we grabbed him for, for a little bit and got a couple incredible stories that I'm excited for you guys to hear. It sounds funny you said we grabbed him like we kidnapped him. We did. We snagged him. <laughs> um yeah, we had the fortune of having him come uh, to our home and record an episode. So we think it is a treat and it speaks to me personally because um, some of what he shares I experienced in my um, late teen years. And so it, his story really resonated with me. You're listening to Chris's story, Immersed in the Spirit. My name's Chris and uh, I'm just sitting here contemplating my 72 years of life and uh, I met my wife Heather 48 years ago. Uh, We married 38 years ago and the last 28 years has been a Christian marriage. So yes, do the maths, I didn't get saved until I was 44 years of age. In that first 44 years, the only identity I knew was self. I was adventurous, I went from school to Qantas Airways, I travelled the world. The people I looked at at Qantas um, had a very restricted life in their work life, so I wanted more freedom and flexibility. So I left and became self-employed from when I was 23. I uh, had a couple of businesses, ended up in real estate, and then a, a friend who I knew invited me into his big real estate company in Sydney. And uh, they were developing a a lot of apartments and and the like. But he said to me that uh, we'll sell someone's house for them if they want. But what we'd like to do is help people own two or three small properties that get paid off over their life. And so they'll be very secure in their later life financially. And when I measured that from what I saw at Qantas, where people in their 60s were asking for overtime because they needed the money, I thought, that's a good thing for people to do. And uh, it was many years ago before lots of the information that's available today. So people just warmed to that, that thought. And so I was walking alongside them. They were paying me a fee per year to do that. But money came so easily to me, I didn't appreciate the stewardship of it. And we were making a lot of money. But that in itself wasn't 
going to teach me how to use money. And so we had, you know, high-end cars. Uh, we lived in the middle of the city, looking over the harbour. Um, we had investment properties. We had four um, hotels. Um, Heather had a share in a ballet school. And it wasn't that we were business people. I was just charging ahead. And I've got to give applause to my wife, Heather. How she hung on through those years, I've got no idea. I would be out till all hours doing business, seeing people, whatever. She basically brought up the family in the early stages. And it was only when the crash came that I had to relook at life. And that was the moment that Christ said, right now I can, or I believe he said, now I can get him. I've followed him through all of this stuff that he's been doing himself. I've supported his wife. Now I can get him. And it was really interesting because the one business that brought everything down, the managing partners of that business were the only Christians in all of our partnerships across real estate and business. And they were wonderful people, like really loved time with them. But it turned out they weren't good stewards of their time, their money and their relationships. And they actually ended up splitting up. But they hadn't paid the bank for six months on the loan. And we hadn't uh, read the Bible at that stage and in Proverbs that don't go guarantee for someone else's loan. And Heather and I were the personal guarantees for a $1.1 million loan. And that was the one that they weren't paying. And the bank took administration of the business and that led to everything being sold. And after that, they asked us for another $1.95 million to clear our account. So I didn't want to go bankrupt. And there was a lot of people in trouble in those days in Australia in a recession time. So we were able to negotiate a really small amount under a confidentiality agreement to pay off over 15 years so that I didn't have to go bankrupt. But just to survive, I had to go back to Sydney working with my clients in real estate again, three hours from the family. Heather was back to work. She was just doing manual labour. She was making beds in a, in a motel and at night she was working in a takeaway shop. But I started to look for people who could help me not make big mistakes again. And two gentlemen that I spoke to I asked, could they walk alongside and mentor me? And they turned out to be Christians. <laughs> then I started doing some work for a company that was owned by Christians. My wife did some work for another company owned by Christians. And we were invited to their church. And our first day there, we walked into 500 people praising and worshipping the Lord. And uh, we enjoyed that day, went back and were invited to arrive at 5 p.m. And when we arrived, there was only about 50 people there. And that was confusing from what we saw the previous week. But it turned out that that invited us um, to the pre-service prayer meeting. <laughs> and uh, we were uncomfortable in that situation when the pastor said, I'll just get in small groups and pray for each other. And behind us was the one person who we'd really got time to talk to the previous week. So we said, can we join you? And uh, he said, yeah, no problem. And he started to pray in English. Then he switched to praying in tongues. And then he put his hand on my head and started to prophesy my financial future. 
and I looked through past him to Heather standing behind him, and I went, well, my wife's crying. And I went, oh, so am I. And when the surface actually started, we were sitting down together, almost hugging each other, wondering what was going on. But the presence of God was so much that when they did the altar call to come to the front of them, we just got up and went out. We didn't even look at each other. We independently went out. And that's where this journey started from there. Along the way, his power just impacted us incredibly. My parents uh, were unsaved. My father was not well and been to hospital a couple of times. He was taken to hospital again. I was called to say that uh, you better come in. He's in his last days. So we went to the hospital and uh, the doctors said um, um, he's pretty much gone. We can put him in, uh, leave him in a coma for 14 days to see if there's any strength that comes back in the muscles around his lungs to help him breathe. So we said, yeah, let's do that. And we'd only recently been saved. It was in that first year. And uh, we went to church the next Sunday, obviously uh, upset. One of the gentlemen there who was guiding us along said, uh, what's going on? And we told him. And he said, oh, is he saved? We said, unfortunately not. He said, well, we better go and pray with him. I said, well, we can't do that. He's in a coma. And he said, well, we'll go and see if they can wake him up. So we went to the hospital. And... Uh, went to the, to the ward people and said, look, um, we're Christians, can you please wake him up so we can pray with him? And uh, they said, no, we can't do that. It needs the full procedure to have any chance of working. So we said, okay, so can we see him? And we walked into um, his private room and when we did, he lifted his head. <laughs> and opened his eyes. <laughs> We prayed with him. He had all sorts of things down his throat and around his head. I said to him, if you understood what we just did, can you give me some sign? And he instinctively reached out, took my hand and squeezed it. He closed his eyes, laid his head down, never woke up again. My mother witnessed that. She got saved. My brother heard about it and he got saved. And the three of them are now in heaven together waiting for me. And that shaped the way I personally and us as a family approached life from that day on. We walked in our what I call our Holy Spirit bubble from that day on, knowing that the Holy Spirit wasn't hiding somewhere for us to call him out to us that he is Absolutely, we are immersed in the Holy Spirit. And so it shaped our decisions and it shaped the way we saw other people and how much we wanted to help them. And then the power of experiencing him waking someone up so that they could get to heaven and the others that then got saved out of that, it was so powerful and drove our passion for sharing with others. And we started to read the Bible, and not only did we hear about Christ, it actually told us how to live life. Manage your time well, steward your relationships, steward your money, write a plan, write it down so others can see it. If I'd only done that, I mightn't have had that big financial fall. So we studied life immersed in the Lord, 
and we saw other people struggling. And so we started to walk alongside people to consider how they're doing life. And God gave us two journeys to do. One was to help Christians be outstanding stewards of their gifts and resources. And the other was to mix with the unsaved, just like Jesus did, so that mixing with Christians doing life well, then they may come to the Lord if led by the Spirit. And so the journey of identity in Christ had begun. As that went through, the first year that we were saved, our pastor asked us to come out of a service and he said, I've got a word for you. You'll be a quiet whisper to the world, not a clanging gong. Didn't know what it meant, didn't know why he did it. 20 years later, we were asked to walk alongside a couple in America. Eight years later, we're walking alongside Christian and non-Christian people, helping them think about their life and, and the future in 12 countries of the world. 20 years after the prophecy, the prophecy came to be fulfilled. And so today we have the privilege of walking alongside people, as I said, in various countries and sharing the gospel and attracting people who want to live a better life. Today there is such a desire in people to live a better life. And I'd like to think today I walk in the confidence of Christ with humility to attract people to want to do life well, to have relationship, because there's relationship and everything else is just detail. All right, so that was Chris's story. What uh, what do you think? As he was sharing, his story just reminds me so much of Job's, right? Like he had all this wealth and all this stuff that he... Um, he kind of coveted more than he coveted the like his relationship with the Lord. And I mean, and Chris didn't know the Lord, but, um, and, and then lost it all. And through that really found relationship with Christ. And I think that's so cool and really beautiful. You think that's what Job, what happened with Job? You think he I was... think, I think Job, um, had a greater understanding of God's power and God's love and God's provision and like the reality of a facet of the Lord that he thought he understood or knew and really had no idea about. You know, the Lord says, oh, hang on, Job, were you there when I parted the seas? Were you there when, you know, and I think for Job that took his relationship with the Lord to a deeper level, to a deeper understanding and a deeper humility when you know, speaking with the Lord in yeah, his time. Sure. Yeah. But you you were saying that you felt like maybe he was distracted beforehand with other things, that Job uh, was maybe too into know. his stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I He's, think, you know, I, I think he was, like it says, he was an upright man, and mm-hmm. he and his friends certainly searched him for any possible failure or sin or whatever in his life. And, and I don't think that they were able to find any. And yet the circumstances just really unveiled a different facet of the Mm. Lord that Job had never considered and didn't have to consider beforehand. Right? Like when everything's good, you don't, you don't question 
you don't really question the Lord. Um, you don't really have the why, why this, why that, um, and how this or how that. But when you experience loss, when you experience disease, when you experience... Things um, you don't understand. Yeah, things you don't understand. Then you start to ask all of those questions of the Lord. And and I think sometimes wrongly put your understanding of God in place of who he really is or a right understanding of him. And well, I, I do like that about Job is that he's his narrative or his he's constantly coming wanting God to speak. Mm-hmm. He keeps coming back um, throughout the book, you know, asking, wanting that relationship, wanting that input from God. And I think that's the right response. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that's the beauty of Job, right? Is like in the midst of everything, what he uncovers is the only thing that he really, really, really wants out of life is a relationship with the Lord. He wants to hear from God. He wants to be tethered to him. And I think that's beautiful. Yeah, he's the treasure, which uh, pulling it back to Chris's story, you know, Chris found the treasure Mm. um, and then he was restored. Yeah. So um, he gets to travel all over. Uh, He's leaving here, going back to Australia, and then he gets to go to Europe, he told me, in October and um, just focused in on relationships, building relationships, Mm. um, helping people um, steward their resources, like he said, and being a light to clients that don't know Jesus. Yeah, how so cool he, is that? You know, he gets really intimate access to uh, people's lives and gets to speak truth. Um, so I, th- I think it's really, really beautiful story. And I loved the, I cried when I heard him talk about his dad and such a dramatic, powerful scene and how that shaped him not just as himself, but it shaped how he saw other people. Like I've, I've seen, I think you see God and you see him rightly and that changes how you view yourself. Mm. But then to take that lens, I think it's natural then to say, wow, if he cares that much about me um, or if he cares that much about my dad to bring him up out of that coma and save him when he's on death's door, then how much does he care about everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I think that corollary is, is so important. Um, so I, that was probably my favorite part of the whole story. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, <laughs> for some reason I, I, I keep thinking about, you know, him, them being in the church service too. And, um, the guy starts praying over him in English and then he starts praying over him tongue uh, over them in tongues and just like what that must have felt like as awkward someone who was an unbeliever at the time and had never heard of that like I think awkward is an understatement yeah. Yeah. um and I don't know I've just been there before you know and been walking into church services and feeling like, Oh, this is so awkward or, Oh, this is so uncomfortable. And I think if we can just push through the discomfort, Mm. um, then there's something really beautiful on the other side because God's ways are just not our ways, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's used, um, the prophecy he's used the, um, 
the loan going belly up. He's used uh, the hard work and um, just, I don't want to say stick-to-itiveness. Um, Grit. Yeah, the grit that Chris and Heather both have just to continually bless them, but um, to also continually bless others that they come into contact with. And that's what the Lord does, right? He just has like this ripple effect. Beauty from ashes. Amen. All right. So I think that about does it. Thank Mm. you so much, Chris and Heather. Yeah. Thanks, you guys, for being with us. We'll catch you next time. With every episode, we encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what He wants to say to you through this story. We invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time, prayer, and finances. Without your sharing, these stories don't spread to those who need them. Without your prayers, we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share His stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for